Hey everybody, Scott Hogan coming at you. We are here on the Be Epic Podcast, Season 2, Episode 1, ready to get it rolling. Again, hopefully you're getting excited about golf. We're able to get back out, play, have a little fun with the game, and now it's time to start thinking about, all right, can we start improving? Can we start getting back into them, that mentality? Also, we got the PGA Tour right around the corner, and then we also have our match. We have Matt Wolf. Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, and Rory McIlroy, they're going to be playing out at Seminole. I can't tell you how excited I am for that. If anybody's played it, make sure you leave us a comment or something. Let us know how it is. I've driven and creeped on it by it. That's it. I got pictures of the sign and like trying to peek down the guardhouse. That's about it. I am so excited to see this golf course in person. It's one of those kind of mythical places. And uh, from what I've heard, I have a cousin that's played there and the stories he's told me about it is uh, it's pretty incredible. So I'm excited to see it. Can't wait for it. And so what this is starting to get me into is starting to get me thinking about playing better golf, getting better at golf. So I'm excited to do those things. And what I wanted to do is bring on one of my good friends. I met him 10 years ago now at Superstition Mountain Golf and Country Club out there in Arizona. I went out there to work just for the winter, and I was going to come back to Chicago as an assistant professional. Ended up meeting guys like Mark and Mike Malaska, who Mark and Mike worked really closely together, and a bunch of other professionals decided that was the place I needed to be if I was going to ever learn and, and develop as a teacher. So I stayed. I stayed there for three years and then moved on. But uh, Mark's somebody I've kept in touch with, and he is a fantastic teacher. He is now made his way up to Iowa, where he is from. He is in Des Moines Golf and Country Club. He's the director of instruction there. And he was the 2019 Iowa PGA Teacher of the Year, the Section Teacher of the Year. So he is an unbelievable teacher. He has such great knowledge. He keeps his hunger going for it. We'll talk about that throughout the show. And, you know, what I love talking with Mark is we just have kind of we talk probably a couple times a year and our conversations, you think they're going to be like 30 minutes and they go forever because we just kind of go through the game and we, we wander around the game of golf and wherever it's at. So that's going to be this. I, it does wander. We just kind of make our way through everything that's going on in the game. Uh, there's some funny stuff in there too, hopefully for you, but uh, just wanted to share it with you and show you some information. So without further ado, this is Mark Atchison, Director of Instruction at Iowa excuse me, at Des Moines Golfing Country Club out in Iowa. All right, so we're joined by Mark Atchison. He's sitting out there looking real comfortable in Des Moines, Iowa. You you live in Des Moines, right, Mark? Uh, I'm in Ankeny, which is just pretty soon going to be a suburb, but it's about 15 minutes from uh, West Des Moines where I'm, I'm out of. Gotcha. So, Mark, I've known you what? Uh, I came to Superstition Mountain what 2010 so we've known each other 10 years yeah how uh tell us a little bit about so so what was your journey you got to superstition win and where did it take you to get to where you are now sitting there in Ankeny Iowa yep so to back up a little bit I, I started my whole process in the PGA in 2005 I was working at the Iowa State course in uh, Ames I don't know if you can see the bag there but um that's where I first started teaching, uh, but I had been involved in golf since a kid and interested in how the swing works and everything. And I had a good friend of mine that was working at Superstition Mountain. And after a couple of winters of trying to figure out what I was going to do, um, he convinced me to come down there full time, which that was 2007, 2008. Uh, I was there for two years, kind of working my way 
into the shop, which having left a position at Iowa State where I did uh, teach for four years, I had to kind of work my way from the ground level up at Superstition, uh, first being a cart guy, and eventually got back into the shop and started teaching again. And that was where um, I had an opportunity to work under Mike Nalaska. Uh, so the last two years that I was there would have been winter of 15 and winter of 16. I was a full-time teacher there, uh, taking my summers back in Ames, which is just down the road from where I am now. So my parents are. Um, so I always felt like I learned everything during the winter from Mike, and then I had my chance to go back home and try to see if I could do it on my own without being able to go and ask him questions on a daily basis and uh, kind of use that as my laboratory, if you will. Um, but then uh, summer of 17, I went out to Portland and worked under a friend of mine, the same friend of mine that convinced me to go out to Phoenix. And I uh, went out to Portland for about a year and was a director of instruction at Riverside Country Club there, uh, just the north side of Portland, beautiful place. Uh, but I did get homesick for the Midwest, so I was fortunate enough in 18 to make my way back to the Des Moines area. And then uh, the director of instruction at uh, Des Moines Golf and Country Club, who had been there for 12 years, and I made uh, friends with him through the section playing events. He came out and played um, a couple times at uh, Superstition and sort of small world. I wouldn't have known this, but he worked in Portland, lived in Portland for a couple of years. So I ran into some guys that were in the section, good instructors that, that knew Tracy best to give him a shout out. He's at Blue Top Ridge in the Iowa City area now teaching. So it was my first year back and he had a, uh, his wife took a job, uh, took him out of town and uh, put in a, Good work for me, and I've always said that I am a routine person. Um, I was at Binker for six years. I was at Superstition Mountain for 10 winters. Uh, I worked at Coldwater in Ames, but that's where I was going back and forth. Uh, was there for eight years, and all of a sudden, the last three years, I've been in three different places, and I'm not comfortable with that, but I've ended up in a very good place, so um, that's where I'm hanging my hat now, is Des Moines Golf Country Club, beautiful. 36 hole facility, great practice facilities, and uh, they're going to do a big capital improvement over the winter where we're going to get some uh, full time year round indoor hitting bays and a bunch of technology is going to be added as they update the whole facility. So I found myself in a pretty good spot. Yeah, that's, a, that's always good when they're going to put a little bit of money into what you got. And do you get to have any input on what's going in there? Uh, we did get together um, uh, with our director of golf kind of saying what what we wanted I have another um, he's my teaching assistant but he's another full-time instructor there and uh, he asked us for our ideas and and we're gonna get the full swing um. oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome keeping it we're keeping so that, that. keeping it real right there <laughs> I, that is quarantine content right there. This and <laughs> I'd like to say that I'm sponsored by Under Armour, but at least this technical adjustment is brought to you by Under right. Armour that you can see right there. Oh, so, that's so funny. Oh, that's amazing. I uh I just literally watched a video about like quarantine stereotypes and one of them was like doing Zoom calls like this. 
and just stuff like that happening. <laughs> so you can keep this in. I need to just grab one quick thing and I'll be right back because I think it's going to happen again. Okay. To get you this, you uh, get this side view here. Two seconds. I got you. <laughs> yeah, you can't. Uh... All right, I'm going to do this. Tell me if this messed you up right there. No, actually, it made it better. All right, okay. I, you can't see the impact bag, like, all the way, but I know it's there. You know, like, we'll get, yeah, that's good. Yeah, we can actually see your golf bag and stuff all. <sighs> so I have a holder that's, like, spring-loaded. Yeah. And uh, normally I have it landscape and i turned it on its side because it looked better to me yeah well this is you sitting in the chair it works out pretty good uh when you stand up your head goes away but we'll, we'll get to that I, i'll just try to stay seated then <laughs> <laughs> i gotcha oh that was awesome i'm gonna send that to brooks well, it's um, funny I, I was looking at your face and all of a sudden you just went like, <laughs> oh that's awesome I can't, I'm going to, I try not to laugh. Oh, uh, so, okay. You're saying you're getting full swing simulators. Yeah, we're getting full swing simulators. So we had uh, kind of given some ideas as to what we wanted. Uh, we have a golf tech right down the road and one of our former instructors is there. So we went through and looked at their place. Uh, we have another gentleman down the street um, who has his own studio. So we went and looked, so we, we tried to get as many, you know, this is a pretty big investment. Uh, Mm -hmm. they're, they're gonna gut the whole facility one floor at a time and and the, the floor where we're gonna put these in they're gonna have one side that's gonna be for members are gonna have four full swing and that's gonna be all wood and leather chairs there's gonna be a bar a big putting green and then off to our side it'll be a little bit more sterile like white you know like you would anticipate for like sort of a fitting day and that'll be uh, two full-time dedicated full swing um, we'll be able to have our our fitting carts and everything, I don't think we're gonna go to having them on a, like a wall. It'll, it'll still be mobile. Right. Uh, but we were looking at Catalyst. I have a body track, so that'll probably be something that I'll have uh, regardless if they go that, that route. But uh, um, yeah, the, the ones that we're going for, it's like the biggest ones are like 12 feet wide, 10 feet high. Um, we're gonna get mirrors in there and the, the cameras that you can slide and move and mm -hmm. unhook if you got lefty righty. So it's they're they're going all out. It's it's a pretty exciting thing now. Yeah. Where we've been um, for the winters, where our Rolodex bag storage is. Um, mm -hmm. As soon as we put the tarps on the greens, we move bag storage out of that room, and we've had two uh, hitting bays. One has a a GC2 hooked up to a television, and then we have TrackMan hooked up to a, a projector. And um, we might have guys, if they're too tall, we've got some like pipes up there. So it's just, it's always one of those things. I, we have some members that are, are into taking lessons during the winter, but as soon as we have that, and people understand it's a nice clean place and it's all new, that's gonna be, that's gonna be really helpful just from an instructor point of view, just because I think people, it'll, 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 spike and I'll, I think I'll be a lot busier when it comes down to it. But 
And yeah. I think what people don't think about is as an instructor, and I saw you at Superstition Mountain, and I saw Mike out at Superstition Mountain every day loading that cart up with yeah. all your, your crap. And yeah. I do the same thing. And then now you're going to have a dedicated place to just put it and leave it. And yeah, is that I, something that's going to be available year round too? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and that was one of the discussions uh, our director of golf was, as we were talking about, it, he was like, well, I'll be surprised if you're going to even be teaching outside. And from my side, it's important to be outside. Um, certainly on hot, hot days, uh, you know, Midwest with the heat and, and, uh, actually I just had something come across my phone saying that meteorologist said that 2020 is going to be one of the hottest summers ever. So it's like awesome. Perfect. Um, but like we get a lot of rain in the spring and so just to be able to have those options and not have to cancel stuff. Um, cause I've, I've been, I've been busy and even just, you know, I, I've, I've been lucky enough to, uh, we can still teach um, outside social distancing. It's really weird not grabbing people and moving them around. And, and I have to just tell people, don't be alarmed or upset if I'm poking you or prodding you with an alignment stick from five <laughs> feet to say, no, right there. So everybody's good sports about it. I mean, everybody's just losing their mind being uh, inside. And um, But being able to be indoors, when I need to be, and certainly during the winter, that'll be helpful. But I'm a guy that I'd like to be outside and see the ball fly and move around. And so that'll be the best both worlds. Yeah. Do you get to bring the, so it'll be full swing simulators, but are you going to have the track band running as well then? Uh, is there thoughts about that? So, and, and we had talked briefly just a second ago about going out to TaylorMade. I will I'll right. tell you part of that trip and we can we can talk about my, my sure. trip there but part of that is one of the nights we went to uh full swings uh business or their mm -hmm. their factory or whatever you want to call it um so i was able to when we were just there we had a, a fun night for all the guys that were there for fitting um but to hit all their their different uh, uh all the different launch monitors uh just see it in action they're really good. They, you know, they have the sensors up top, shoot a light down. So as long as the ball is inside of the light and it's a pretty big space, you know, sometimes you'll have uh, TrackMan, you have that little window. And, and I think sometimes uh, indoors might not be, uh, you always get some funky numbers once in a while, but you know, that's their bread and butter is that it's going to be an indoor space. And so I think all of the, the numbers and, and they have integrated cameras and all of that. So you'll be able to see, and, and to a certain extent, there's base orientation and where you're hitting it, um, which is kind of cool. Like you'll see the above view of the, the club coming through the impact area and where you hit it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So um, we, we have TrackMan um, and, and if, if we utilize that, I'm not, I'm not sure, but certainly we'll have that outside is a big help. Yeah, I, I would be interested to see with it on. Uh, we'll start going into your the, the some of this tech stuff, but I, I would be interested to see on the side of if you're hitting on full swing, but you're using like the TrackMan for the club data type yeah. of thing. I, I'd be interested to see how they a compare, but two, I mean that might be the best of both worlds because yeah. I think TrackMan maybe do. I'm not. I haven't used the, I use full swing all the time for just hitting balls. And I think it does a good job 
uh, reading the ball and giving you some yardages and seeing the shots and all that. But I, uh, I've not used it to use it for club data. So I'd be interested to see how that works out in comparison. Yeah, these, and I, I, you know, I don't know if it's the newer model, whatever the case is, uh, uh -huh. you know, the, the ones we're looking at are, are 70,000 a piece. And we're going to have five. Yeah. Them. They're pretty so decent. I would, I would, I'd like to think that, cause that, that's the amazing thing when you look at, Trackman has so many good things going for it, but he, there's days even when you're outside and you have a shot, and you're like, that says that carried 233, and you got a guy ripping driver, and, and you're like, so you know you can see it go further. Um, mm -hmm. I, that's an interesting thing down in our uh, the basement hitting day where we have the CG2. Um, they're pretty close. Um, I think that again, that's to me being outside sometimes, just having my eyes as a right piece. well so let's do this let's start talking about because you're just bringing up all these questions i've got so i don't want to get too far down the road let's yeah. start working our way in and we're going to come back to these i'm making some notes yeah. let's start talking about your journey one of the things i love to talk about is tech and golf and how that starts to relate i think it can be it's actually surprisingly a controversial subject in golf you know, is there too much tech? Is there this? Or are we taking the art out of the game? All of that good stuff. And, uh, you know, I would love to hear. Let's start with your journey again. We can go back even before when I met you in Superstition Mountain. But what did uh, your coaching and your lessons look like when you started out from, you know, either how you ran them or, you know, what you used during those lessons and then, but let's start talking about, I'd love to hear how that kind of progressed as you went. Yeah, well, I, I think it's probably common with a lot of instructors or especially early on when you first start teaching, like um, I didn't have a lot of mentors when I first started. And, and, you know, so this was 2004. It doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it's like you didn't have YouTube, you didn't have even, I just, when you're talking about technology, I feel like a lot of the things that we used to think were like principles and that was what it was, it was almost becoming that, that they're maybe not what we thought they were. If you're looking at deep plane and all that, that sort of stuff. But anyways, you know, my, my first lessons, when I look at, if I thought about the first thousand lessons I gave, I mean, I was teaching people basically how to swing like me. And, and, and that's kind of, that's where my world started. Um, and obviously grip stance posture and things like that are, are sort of easy, but it's like you take a, maybe, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a male, female, but say you have somebody that didn't have a baseball background, didn't play sports, didn't have, uh, that sort of background. And then it's like, where do you go? Um, so I, when I, I sit there and I, I remember looking back now on probably the first thousand lessons and just wondering, what was I even teaching? I don't, you know, it's like, I, I think you. Uh, I was talking to a guy a couple of days ago, and it, to me, it's almost like if you think about a mechanic, it's like when you first start, you're good at oil changes, and it takes a while before they start moving you to brake jobs. And it's not like you just jump into it, and all of a sudden you're doing full like uh, engine rebuilds. But I'm looking at technology. You take a 20 year old kid that's starting to teach right now, and they have Pac-Man background. They might not use it, but they have such a better understanding of what's actually going on. So it's like. And I, I would think this is across you know, everything that kids are just farther along with where they're starting that, 
you know, maybe they are starting on engine rebuilds much earlier in their careers because they understand those relationships. But I, I, I just remember it, there was a long time. I remember, you know, maybe after I've been teaching six or seven years where I wanted to go back and like grab people that I worked with at the beginning and say, can I, can I do that over again? Because for sure I've learned a lot, you know? So, you know, if I'm looking at technology, I have access to a whole bunch of stuff. We talked about it. Like, uh, one of the biggest things for me right now would be body track. Mm-hmm. And I went through, and I actually got into it having gone through TPI. So going through TPI opened up my mind, um, as to just how big of a role the body played in it, you know, in your kinematic sequence. And, and a lot of people might just think, yeah, of course, but my brain wasn't even there, you know, and this is, this is even within the last, you know, three or four years, I got up to a point. Um, so I definitely, I feel like I hit a plateau. Uh, so all of a sudden I get the body track. I've used it for a couple people. Um, it's probably the most expensive certification I've ever gone to because when I do the certification and understanding how to use it, now when I watch somebody move, I can tell exactly what they're doing, even though they're not standing on the body track anymore. Because I, right. I, I just, it, it was, you know, having worked with Alaska, the invisible swing, you know, mm-hmm. what we're seeing is sort of the impact of movement on the body. It's just like, it, it was just, it was, the, it was it's, it's been an eye-opening experience. So early on, my golf lessons, I honestly, I, I, I know that I helped people, but I don't necessarily know compared to what I'm teaching now that I really had a real idea of how things were working. I, I don't think that would be uncommon if you're looking at it to a certain extent. And I was confident in what I was doing, but um, having that look to the inside and even what you can learn from TrackMan uh, with path and face, you, you have the nine ball points. Um, but I even remember going through uh, level two PGA I remember they were going to test us on ball flights and one of the instructors said, we're going to test you on the traditional nine ball flights. But this was, this was probably uh, 2012 and said, but we now know at TrackMan that there might be 12 or 15 different ball flights. So we're just going to, so like even right there, there's a transition in sort of how instructors are being instructed. So. Yeah. I think that's interesting too, because, you know, everybody looks at it and says, you know, I get the question all the time, like, Oh, are you a PGA professional? And, you know, I happen to be one too. And I, I just like you and people will say, Oh, well, that's got to make you make you certified or good enough. Right. And you start looking at it and you're like, you know, the world that you go through, it's a great intro into what you're doing and what's going on. But, you know, just like you said there, when I went through it as well, it was still, Hey, club path starts the ball online face controls the curve which is completely backwards now and it was nothing about angle of attack how that has any impact it was nothing about uh i think there might have been stuff about off center hits in there i can't remember you know but it was definitely not where it was and so these technologies have created this opportunity to continue to learn which has to be what helps it has to help in some way and it's even like again if you're looking at TrackMan, and i i went through uh golf 2 tpi 
uh, track and universities and all those different things. I mean, I, I once once you start going down that road, you just it, that's your new thing. Uh-huh. Um, and you talk about off-center hits. It's like understanding what a heel shot, low shot for creating more spin, all those different things that I think it's helpful. I, I mean, my ear. A lot of times if I'm sitting there and I'm filming somebody or I'm, you know, you can just, you can tell when they hit it off the heel, you can tell when they hit it off the toe and then, and, and all of a sudden you start, you get someone that's spinning the ball like crazy or trying to hit up on their driver and you know they're hitting right off the bottom of it and, and the ball is just going down and up and it's just, so it, even those things, it's just, your, your brain is so much more attuned to everything by having that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to have the student involved in that. Right. Um, to me, it's, it, to me, it's my tool. Um, so this goes back even to, you have a, a generation now or people that are tech savvy. So I, I, I would think that you have students that almost expect to have technology involved. I don't know if that's always a good thing because a lot of times you might have too much information, but um, I just look at it from a, from the instructor's side, just like a doctor being able to analyze everything and you have all that machinery at, at a certain point then you just sort of, that's how you analyze stuff. Um, so I, I will, I will once in a while, even if it's just filming somebody, I'll, I'll ask, have you ever seen your screen before? No, I haven't. I'm kind of afraid to. And, you know, so even just that, you talk about filming somebody on a phone. That's another thing. It's like, I remember having a little VHS camcorder and looking at that and, you know, that'd be able to just pop out your phone and shoot it and draw lines. And that that's just seems like that's normal now. Right. Yeah, I get I get people sending me. I had somebody send me an app the other day. It's like dual recording phones on your phone. Like you can get a dual camera system right on your phone now. That part alone has come crazy far. And I don't think a lot of people think about that from a technology standpoint in this business. I mean, it used to be, you know, I was similar to you. I had not VHS, but whatever that mini one was. Yeah, that, that, yeah you know, and you had to have a TV to hook it up to if you were going to play it out on the range or you, or you got to watch it on the little screen. So now it's all right. You can do it on an iPad. You can do it in super slow-mo and you can let it all go. I think you brought up an interesting point there though. When I hear a lot of people ask me questions because we do so much with launch monitors. I mean, actually, I think I have one right here. Yeah. I mean, I'm the fact that, you know, I can hold a launch monitor in my hand right now. and and have that here and this thing is pretty solid you know there you go we got a launch monitor it's uh it's one of those things where it's it's accessible it's so accessible now but from a playing the golf playing golf standpoint how practical do you feel that information is let's say you know, because people will ask me like, hey, we were testing out the flight scope Mevo Plus, And they're like, oh, how's the spin reading, the backspin reading? And I'm like, oh, uh, you know, it looks pretty good. It, it seems to match up with what we got on our GC2. And, you know, maybe once in a while it comes in like a couple hundred low RPMs low. 
And they're like, oh, well, that's a big problem. And I don't know. I was like, I, I'm like, well, how much are you going to go out there and be like, oh, I hit this shot and I'm only going to hit this. I don't know my RPMs of my seven iron for backspin and I can do, you know, this or that. I mean, it might affect you on some carry numbers, but you're even seeing when you take a, you know, the top of the line, the holy grail of launch monitors outside. Sometimes you have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt as you go. And I, you know, I, whatever the, the swing caddy, like S300 mm-hmm. or SC300, I, I had one of those and I loved it because all I wanted from that, all I wanted was what's my carry number. Right. Um, and then, you know, honestly, for the way I play golf, if I'm, if I'm within five yards, that's probably pretty good. I don't need them to be within the, the half a yard as far as the yeah. calibration on it. So um, actually, I was with a guy on Saturday, and he just came back from the Phoenix area. Now he's in Iowa, and the change in temperatures, and he had written down all of his yardages. So we sat down, and he he had his little uh, swing uh, caddy thing, and then we had track man. We had some shots just to kind of see where they linked up. Um, I mean, they were close enough. And here's a guy, he's probably uh, he's probably a really good 10 or 12. I mean, he's a 70-year-old guy. He still wants to know. And, and, and his whole thing was, I don't want to hit, I don't want to try to hit the ball further. I just want to know how far it goes if I have right. 125 yards. So the practicality of that, I mean, I think from, from calibrating your yardages, that's huge, and that's all you really need out of it. Um, but I think a lot of times, yeah, I had a, I had a guy that was talking about, uh, so he's got SkyTrack in his garage, and, he, and we were working on some stuff, and, and he was talking about Smash Factor. And, and for where we're at in the golf swing, certainly, because he was handled back, probably adding six degrees of loft and impact, and, and right. he started working on some stuff, and He's flight the ball better and hitting it. Now he's saying that you know, swing speed might be down. So it's like he's kind of coming at me based on the numbers that he's seeing at his house, and, and it's almost like I just want you to film yourself and make sure you're getting the the club you know, delivering it well, and and don't even don't give me a text the next day after a lesson breaking down the numbers. It's like, you need to work on this for a little while. So sometimes it's the, I think that's where it could be dangerous that you're, you hit a shot and look, did it, did it work? Did it, did it change it? Um, well, and use the, and the, and use a piece of tech that, you know, Skytrack, I had it, you know, it was a great unit, great for in home, but use one that is giving you a good number. You know, that's, that's the other scary thing about it yeah i just i just think that if you're chasing numbers um because sometimes i'll i'll i have it or downstairs i have it on my phone too but it's the uh you know bell curve numbers off of the average pga guys on the track mm-hmm. numbers and I, I think it's helpful to see uh ball speed peak height and just to kind of you know spin rates on different stuff just so that we're more from fitting if anything or at least it Sometimes it can be to like make somebody feel good, you know, because mm-hmm. that's the other thing is that they're watching, well, they used to watch golf on television and they're seeing somebody hit a nine iron from 180 yards and then they feel like they're not a good person because they, they can't, it's just like, you know, perspective. Um, but 
yeah, certainly technology is helpful, but if I think if somebody was just had something down on the ground where they got their yardage, their carries, and then maybe film themselves from time to time if they know what they're looking for, um, I think the, the average person, that's what they need. It's like, again, if you're, if you're a doctor, you need EKG and all this stuff like right. that. You don't have, someone doesn't need to have that at their house and every five seconds check on themselves and make sure they're, Right. Yeah. I, I think, like you said, the, the best part about, about all of this is, you know, having the technology, you know, when you use body track, for example, when you see and you put people on it, you know, as you start to go, you're going to see it and you're going to see enough patterns. Yeah. I feel like to where you get to the point where you're like, all right, I've seen it. And it, it confirms your feelings. It confirms what you you need and then it almost becomes like a research tool more yep. than anything and it, it helps build your knowledge build your confidence as an instructor but okay now we're good and it actually makes your your low tech lesson better if you're just going out with a camera and, and that's important too i i think it's important to make people feel like all right hey i'm not going to give you something that you can't do on your own when you walk away from here. So obviously using a body track, you're not going to, maybe somebody does do that, but they're not going to go out and buy one uh, per se and practice biofeedback and traces and all that stuff. But maybe they do. And even, and even from that, um, it's like I'll have them stand on a alignment stick that goes between mm -hmm. their arches yeah. and, you know, get them to the top of the backswing and say, I want you to feel majority of the weight on your right heel and left toe and you know so then at least they have a marker on the ground to kind of see and um, you know so I again it goes having trained my eye to see that you can just turn the ground in the body track because you can get their feet to move how you want them to and and I'll do other things like um, again I think us sharing our background with uh, with Alaska I've got my impact bag here on the ground. I'll have them start chucking that around like they're throwing it and all of a sudden their body starts to use the ground and they're pushing and it's like sometimes they're just so preoccupied with this as far mm -hmm. as that's what they're moving but really their body is just moving weight and, and when you can just get them out of seeing the ball fly and, and I, I one of the guys I'm working with right now we usually will spend five minutes and he's underarm chucking the impact bag to me and I'm out 20 yards out in front of them getting him to, to rotate and load and, and chuck it and you know, we're talking foot and I again I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought about that if I hadn't gotten the body track gone through the certification just you know and then I sit there and, and go back to when I was in little league pitching and how my body moved and, and so that that's also brought me back to be more athletic minded. Mm -hmm. I, I, I spent some time kind of, uh, I think I got a little too focused on some stuff where I needed to just make sure that people were moving right. So that that's body track also kind of pulled me back into the center line that this is a sport, this is an athletic move and the body's gotta be moving around properly to, to be able to support this thing. So. That's kind of where I'm 
Yeah. And I think that's, that's interesting that, you know, we were talking a little bit beforehand about how there's always this kind of battle of, you know, tech versus no tech, old school versus new school. And what you're describing there is you've gone more new school, you got more technology, you've got more things to help you that help you better understand an old school philosophy. You know, like you said, going more athletic, it's, it's leading you into this world where I think people think technology is taking you away from it, but it's actually leading you into that world. Yeah, no, I, it, it's gotten me back just to, uh, and again, I think it was the stuff that was right there in front of me that I needed to have that almost in, you know, body track or track man. It's like an x-ray into what's, that's allowing you to step inside of somebody's body. That That's the, the thing that I always wish that I could do. And I'll, I'll, you know, sometimes you're just zoning out at the person and trying to feel like you're inside of their body and all of a sudden that gives you the way to get inside of your student's body to figure out how they're moving. And, and um, you know, again, having gone through TPI, that's another thing right there. I mean, that was so, uh, the the Dave Phillips is opening uh, uh, in our, our first start of the seminar. He was saying at the end of every year, half the guys got, half the people I taught got better and half of them didn't. He said, I'm pretty confident in my ability, so it's not me. And it was just like, you know, I'd sit there and, if it's someone hasn't played the sports that I've played, so I maybe they haven't trained their body to move in that way. But then as soon as you find out, well, that guy broke his ankle when he was a kid. That guy tore this. This person's been sitting at a desk for 20 years and they can't, their hips and their chest and their back and their, you know, they just can't support stuff. So even right there, it's like, you know, being able to, get inside the person, if you want to call TPI technology based, certainly that mm-hmm. they had to go that route to get inside of people, but then it brings you back to just standing there on the range with the person. And so I, outside of, again, the camera, I don't feel like I use a lot of technology, but technology made me, this plateau I hit all of a sudden, just it, the last three years have been uh, really good for me. Uh, yeah. And, and results more than anything. Yeah. And you mentioned, well, and then results for you too, with the teacher of the year. So, uh, that's like you say, TPI, right. And so obviously I've done that too. And I think they, they do a good job of giving you something that you can use on the range on a daily basis. Right. But it's a hundred percent backed in the science and, you know, they have their own 3d software for using, you know, uh, AMM sensors. And so, I mean, it is completely technology based, but when I think when people see it, they're like, Oh, this is, this is how this is too easy or this is not this, you know, I'm just standing there doing some, some shoulder movements on the range, you know, trying to move. Oh, that's not, what I see people doing nowadays, but the underlying principles are all backed by the research that comes from all of these pieces that we, that are available now. And so I guess where I kind of go with that and I wanted to get your opinion on this is, okay, so you have to get people to play, right? And you've had good results with people 
as you mentioned, you're getting people to hit the ball better. You know, you talk about your approach to, you know, getting people to, you know, basically learn it first, right? And then master it. And yeah. is that mastery part? I guess I want to take talk about that process of, all right, we're learning it, but then we've got to master it and be able to take it and actually play a sport. I think we can all agree that if you're going to play a sport, you can't be out there thinking, all right, I'm going to move my hips 30 degrees, at, you know, by the time I get to, you know, whatever they call P2 in the backswing, I'm going to have 30 degrees of shoulder turn. You can't play it that way, but how are you going to get people to take those concepts and then hopefully get some results with it? Well, that's where I always, I think that's the, the tough thing is you'd like to be able to simplify it to a point that someone could go out and like play that next day or that afternoon. And you know, I still think that you have to own it a little bit on the range and, and work your way through it. So as long as the stuff you're telling somebody is, uh, Sorry, some Harley's flying by. <laughs> That's awesome. Iowa, baby. They, they wake me up every morning going to work. Uh, um, I, you know, again, it's about playing the game. Um, but I think I've always been someone that is telling the person during the lesson that I, I need you know, to give them a little bit of perspective on this, that you've been doing it a certain way. It's trying to make it feel more simple, more athletic, and and you're but understanding that these people need to to own it and work on it and think about it and process it and do some practice. So like you know all the drills that I give, everything I give is like you know, they're they're sliding alignment sticks into their belt loops and they're hitting stuff. I mean I, I want them I feel like my lessons are giving them uh, me being there with them when I'm not there. So they, they get immediate feedback. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, obviously it's to get them on the golf course and playing better. Um, and I won't, I won't uh, doubt that that's our, our ultimate goal, but um, they got to learn the skill. They got to master it through their practice. And then ultimately on the backside of it, you're going to be able to uh, enjoy and do what you're doing out there, um, which is interesting. So I, we didn't talk about this, but we just started an Operation 36 program at our course this yeah. last week. And as far as like how you can show and, and teach somebody at that age how to learn the game and, and to get those immediate skills right away at like 9, 10, 11. But then on Saturday, they go out and they're trying to shoot 36 from 25 yards and, and learn from the green back. It's like, you know, I was thinking about it when I learned how to play the game with my grandpa, we go to the probably maybe I teed off from the forward tees, but it took me like you know seven shots to get to the green. It's like you walk off the green and you're worn out and make ten or something like that. Obviously, uh, we want them to have more immediate success, but uh, um, yeah, getting right, them, I'll go. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just getting them to understand that it's 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 not necessarily easy you got to work on it because everybody wants a quick fix they want a band-aid and i'm someone i'm not a i don't like band-aids uh yeah i want them to get better and have it last and not not see them periodically you'll get the person that they're just hitting it great and then like three days later they're like i lost it and then i was looking on youtube what do you think about this and it's like well 
we need to go more than three days with that. Right. So perspective. There, there's no substitute for the time. You know, there is no technology for the time. The technology can provide you the information and make sure what technology does, you know, tell me if you agree with this, but I think it provides you, you know, the information so that you know, hey, I'm going to go work on this stuff. And, you know, whether it's a phone camera, you know, the reason it's so important to have a phone camera, because, hey, I'm going to work on this. I'm, I want to see if I'm getting to that position or whatever you're doing, or if you're working on TrackMan, you're trying to work on a path number or a face number, you're knowing that it's right. So when you, when you are going to put that time in, you're going to, you're going to get there. You know, it's going to make sure you're going in that right direction where I think, you know, you and me, well, we're not super old. I don't want to date us that much, but we kind of dug it out a little bit. Right. We dug it out and you kind of just hit balls on the range and you're like, oh, hey, this feels pretty decent. And I'm going to go do that. And so that's what you did. And you kept going. But at the end of the day, you can't put time. You can't put it past the reps. You can't work outwork the this that you need to give yourself some some reps at it and some time with it. And I, you know, obviously, that's then where when you have that technology to to make our job, get them there faster. Mm-hmm. We can, we can sort of speed up their learning process. I mean, obviously, when you go to an instructor, mm-hmm. that's your goal is that I want to walk out of here with a better understanding of what I'm supposed to do, or probably more importantly, have a better understanding of what I do, maybe incorrectly, what I need to improve on. But then you've got the tools that I can then go home, and so now that that half hour that someone can work on something at their house and. And uh, I mean, this is again some weird times. I think we have people that are able to maybe spend more time on stuff now than maybe they could sit at home in front of a mirror and whatever. Um, but it's like trying to speed up the process. Yeah, you can never remove the the time, but mm-hmm. speed that up. Um, so I, yeah, that's. I, I think I'm again as I'm getting better as an instructor, my students are getting further along faster and. I think if you were to talk to anybody, actually we had in uh, February, we had Butch come and talk to our section and, and he's talking, you know, when he first started teaching and, and his dad would have been the instructor at the golf course and, and he starts to give some lessons and the guy starts shanking it. And he's like, I don't know, why is this guy shanking? I'm not sure why. So everybody had to get better and better and better than just with experience yourself. So, um, right. I think as I'm getting better in this technology, helping me that speeding up the students learning process too. Very good. Very good. So you just, we brought this up earlier. We're going to finish up talking about this. Uh, You have that sweet golf bag right next to you there. And so we've, we learned that you were out at the kingdom. And for those that aren't familiar, that's tailor made. That is their headquarters, their, it is definitely a kingdom. It's uh, it reminds me of a paradise. I just get this when I think of when you say the kingdom. I know it doesn't look like this, but I think of like waterfalls flowing everywhere when you walk in, and just it's birds flying and exactly, and... exactly. So you were out there uh, a little bit ago, and what was that? February. Yeah. So I was I was very fortunate. Uh, part of being at uh, Des Moines Golf. Um, uh, 
staff member with TaylorMade. Um, I've, I've always been in some places where I've been in the past, either we've been at a, at a course where uh, they were exclusive to another company or when I was in Arizona, I was always seasonal, so I couldn't get on staff. So uh, this, this past year, being on staff with TaylorMade, being at a club, um, did a lot of fitting, did a lot of TaylorMade fitting. And uh, I think with the Teacher of the Year playing very well, uh, our rep was nice enough to uh, let me represent his section as part of the TaylorMade. Uh, they had a fitting conference. So they brought 50 guys in from all over the country, from private to public to box store to having their own studios and just to pick their brain on how to make the whole fitting process better. Uh, but had a chance to go to uh, TaylorMade headquarters and then and uh, the Kingdom and I've. I've more or less played TaylorMade since um, their second generation would actually. Sorry, I have recreated my set of clubs from high school. So this is the Burner Bubble Flex Twist Graphite. I got my Burner Three Wood. Anyways, so I've I've played TaylorMade since I was. 14 and I'm 44 now. Um, so that just by itself was incredible to go to their headquarters to meet all of the guys on the chain of, um, uh, you know, meet all the guys you're seeing on all these uh, YouTube uh, channels where they're hitting with all the guys, Tomo and Ryan, uh, all these guys. So it was, it was yeah. very, it was incredible. Uh, as a Tiger fan too, they have, when you first walk into the kingdom, um, they have a, a little locker room area where the guys, when they're coming in and set their stuff. So it's like, if you're Rory and you're walking in, there's gonna be a locker, nice wooden locker you open up and there's gonna be boxes with your shoes and gloves and everything that you need. But they have sort of a mock uh, locker with, with Tigers uh, with this bag and then they have a uh, TP putter that they made for him trying to get it in his hands. They had the Ardmore that he was using too, so it's got the pin grip on it, his tiger stamp, and it's hanging on to that. Uh, but yeah, the, going through that whole process and, and, and seeing a company that I think's pretty good at what they do, if not the best, and you know, they've got gears there um, in one room. They've got, uh, in another room, they've got their iron byron. Um, They've got a putting room that's on hydraulics so they can move it, but also with uh, um, Quintech and they've got uh, gears in there as well. Um, and they made the, the gentleman, Dwayne, that does the putter fitting, uh, he, he had said, made some comment that uh, uh, Rom had been in there working with his putter um, five times over the last like 18 months and he ended up winning either that week or the next week after they made adjustments to his putter. Uh, so he, he said, if you ever want to know when, you know, place it yeah. there or something like that. But it's just, you know, the technology, obviously, I'm sure that's the same with all these different companies. But um, yeah, this bag, when you first walked up on the sidewalk on either side up to the front door, it's the Spanish Southwest architecture, two big wooden doors and wrought iron, and they had all 50 of ours little bags up there and, and sent it back with us. They really took care of us. But um, yeah, just from when you're looking at 
from fitting in technology there, you can learn all sorts of stuff, but to be able to stand with the guys that fit the best players in the world and, and hearing their little you know, shortcuts to stuff, if you will, and uh, filming a guy and he does this, where you automatically go over this set of shafts. And um, so it was just, it was, it was incredible. So I'm looking forward to going there again here the next year or two. I want to go there and go through a fitting for myself. I think that'd be incredible. But um, even to go over to their the headquarters and you walk in the front door, big glass case that has, and I'm sure if you went to Ping or anywhere else, they, they have the first model of their bump head and just for the timeline of all the bumps. So, um, you know, you talk about technology for instruction, just think about the technology that we've gone through for golf equipment. Uh, this this guy right here, this driver, I think my five wood is bigger than that. So that alone, golf's hard to give somebody a 180cc driver and try to have them hit that at the center of the face. That's all you have at the center of the face. So. Let me ask you this. Um, so you're talking about some of the the best in the world, right? You got the best in the world at what they do. They're sitting there talking about it. And you, you mentioned, uh, you know, Hey, these guys do this or these guys do that. Was there any insight, you know, at that level? I think it's interesting with clubs because yes, the technology is crazy where it's really good. It's gotten way better. I wasn't a tailor-made guy. I never, I, you know, my buddies will be the first to, to make me eat it. Cause I now have a SIM driver and a SIM three wood. And I was the biggest spider hater. Putter. Uh, oh, I have a spider putter too. Yeah. I mean, it's just gross, but you know what? Like when you pick up the three wood and I hit it like 280 yards, I'm like, uh, okay, this is cheating. But part of that, you know, it's like, all right. So everybody sees this and they say, all right, Rory carries at 3.30. Um, how much, when you're talking with those guys, do they mention what those players are doing? You know, if, if, you, if you're understanding, hope I'm making sense here, it's like, okay, we're going to hit, we talk wedges at the start. They're trying to, what, like, what are some of the things that they're trying to get out of their players with wedges and then how are they talking about, hey, do they talk a little bit about, all right, this is how they're delivering the club, things like that, that make them want to do some of these adjustments? Well, I, just from a wedge thing, and I, I think when you're looking at how the club player views hitting a wedge versus a pro or hitting a long iron or something, you know, so it's like, taking a big massive divot, hitting down on it, trying to make it spin and how these guys are coming in shallow and delivering the club and creating a bunch of spin on a low flighted shot. It's just, um, I, I, I will say most of these guys, they would be the first to admit as far as the fitters that they're not instructors. Mm -hmm. So they have, they have numbers where they're trying to get them to um, optimize everything. Uh, but as far as like the, the wedges go, um, 
playing things lower, not taking as big of divots, you know, trying to get high spin with good contact and something that you can control as opposed right. to when something up in the air. Because um, that's the other thing. If you're, if you're working with you know, students and they're, they're at 80 yards and they're ripping something full and launching it as high as they can as opposed to, how about we go to a three-quarter swing with a sand wedge and we launch it a little bit lower and control it so that we can, we can get in there. I think you know, that's the sort of ideas that um, I didn't get maybe as much of that having been there, but uh, when we were down in, in Phoenix to be able to, to go down, I really missed that they didn't have the Accenture match play there or the match play in general, but going and watching mm -hmm. those guys, I can go sit on a driving range and watch pros hit and, and you know, watch and see and suck all that in, and, and, and that's super helpful. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, you know, going back to the kingdom, um, like in the putting room in particular, understanding that those guys, their misses are, you know, quarters of degrees and but all of them have tendencies. So right. if you have a guy that has a tendency to, maybe he likes a, a, a mallet head, but he needs the toe weight so with the center of gravity and stuff, just trying to make it match their swing so you don't. They're matching their tendencies just like anybody else. It's just their tolerance levels on their tendencies are so much tighter than your average Joe. Um, so it, I think just in general, you know, we didn't learn necessarily the specifics of what BJ does. Right. But but even so, I mean, again, going back, I said that Butch, um, and this goes back a little bit to technology. Butch Harmon telling uh, Dustin Johnson that from 150 yards, you're like awful um and you're going to have from 150 yards and in he's like you're going to have these shots all day long so for him to take that track man now even dustin johnson's a guy as far as i know he doesn't use track man for anything other than working on wedges after that it's that's, just yeah, that's what i've heard too yeah um but even like you take someone like tiger tiger's the last guy to use that sort of technology and now he's there you know and, right. and he's working with stuff like that but there's a guy that just goes on ball flight field um, think about how much what a, as a fitter you know you're doing fittings uh, as you were mentioning and you're a, a big club guy we haven't even talked about that but you do a ton with building and repair and stuff as well uh, other than we built our high school set which is amazing mm -hmm. um, what when you look at that process because I think a lot of people find the answer or they think the answer is going to be in the the clubs per se. And I think there's a fine balance there, but what's your thoughts on that as far as, okay, can the club be the answer or you're talking about some of these guys at these high levels, you know, they're more working off of what their tendencies are and trying to kind of combat those through the club fitting. Well, I, I think from club fitting, like buying something off the shelf just shouldn't happen anymore. Um, and you still get people that, oh, well, I just liked it, so I bought it. Um, but I, you know, line angles, certainly, and, and uh, but even going so far as to maybe that person is, you know, I think live boards are kind of something that, that should be um, not used anymore, I guess. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. ball flight and, 
I've found you can take somebody that maybe they are supposed to be fit to two degrees flat, that puts the club flat on the ground. But then if you gave them a two degree upright club or excuse me, more up, upright, two degrees upright from what you fit them, all of a sudden you can aim the loft left and they start hitting the ball straighter. Right. Some of the little things like that. Um, that I, 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 I think it's important to have some flexibility in what, what you're doing with the club, that even once you find something that's fit right. Um, but I, you know, I have a lot of, where I'm at my club, we've got a lot of guys that are probably in a spot where they need to get out of the stiff into a regular or get out of the regular into something right. flexible. Um, so like when I'm fitting, I'm, if I have somebody like that, I'm never telling them what the flex is. Um, again, if, if, if I get them fit into, and I, I use the Mizuno uh, yeah. fit thing, which I think is a really super fast way to get you into a starting point. Um, but I have started to maneuver their lie angle around a little bit once you find out where it should be to maybe help them straighten the ball out just a little bit more, even though, uh, I mean, I'm not saying like three or four degrees up, but sometimes you can, you can add a degree flat or a degree upright and straighten that ball out. Um, but a lot of but people have backs and things like that working on getting some longer shafts too. But yeah, I think just getting fit is super helpful and then be able to kind of have some lean, leniency in there to push it one direction or the other if needed. Yeah, I think, I think when you see people, it's, you have to, you have to basically, you got to get them into something that is usable first. You know, a lot of people that come for coaching or lessons to start, you know, they've got something that, you know, they might have, uh, what I get a lot of is people buy, you know, a box set or something or, you know, and they're using like the Uniflex shaft and they're just getting into golf and they're like, oh, I want to try it out. It's like, well, it's not going to be much fun with that because you have to, you have to develop some sort of pattern to your game to play. I mean, that's pretty much what all good players do is they have something they can go with. But if you got a club that's not going to let that even happen, you could swing it the same way and you could get two completely different shots just based on how that club's reacting. Well, that, that idea of the box set too, it's like I, I notice a lot of times, especially if you're dealing with like game improvement irons, if someone, you fit them for a seven iron and uh, you kind of work your way down there, obviously. And I'm always telling them once you get, to probably your gap wedge. Don't continue with that that uh, game improvement. Uh, at least the mm -hmm. width of the sole into your wedges. It's like I still will tell everybody to get like a, a player's wedge so that you can. Yeah. If if I get somebody in a bunker and I ask them to open up the club and they've got something that's got, you know, a, a big fat bottom on it, they're they're never going to be able to hit good. Uh, shots around the green just so there's so much kickback um and then even there you know like if you're working with wedges you know this would go back to what you were you were saying with like the tailor-made guys i think it's surprising how much more bounce like better players the assumption mm -hmm. is better players don't have a lot of bounce because uh, their uh, interaction with the turf so so good but it's it's angle of attack i mean if, if you're someone 
that likes to be a little more steep, then you're going to have you might have a lob wedge with 12 degrees of bounce, and that that's something I think you would almost always say, well, that that's that's somebody that's not good with their wedges; they need more bounce. But um, so, you know, I actually will take people over and uh, put some impact tape, and and I I will do when I'm doing wedge fitting, I will put that on a live board just, just to see are they are they hitting it towards the leading edge or the back, and then start to move around a little bit there just to make sure that that I think that's one spot right there making sure you've got the right balance on your wedges well, I, go ahead go ahead yeah I was just going to say I, I think that the typical one when you think about box sets and I always I, I hate to say you know ladies or gentlemen whatever uh, but a lot of times you'll have uh, with a ladies set those will have this lob wedge that just has this gigantic sole on it and it's like mm. they're just they, they can't play shots so it's like it's fine to have a lightweight graphite shaft and something but that's the one getting them something that has some playability that they could hit some shots with and i think you start hindering people's ability to learn and you go that will bring it full circle you go back to malaska days and you know again you kind of grown from there and now it's all right hey we've got the body and we're we're doing these parts of the swing too but at the end of the day for those that don't follow Malaska or any of that you know it's very much about learning how the club face works and how to add loft how to de-loft how to shut it how to open it and how your hands and arms control that and you know whether that's handsy two handsy or whatever but for people that are starting out the, you know, you are learning how to move this golf club and you're learning what you can do with it. And like you said, with the, I, cause I do the exact same thing with wedges. I, I never like the box wedge or the set wedge um, that comes with them. I, I mean, I go as far as to say pitching wedges is where I cut it off. I don't, you know, maybe a gap wedge, but you know, I want to see something good because, you know, you need to start learning. All right. If I start opening the face to start, doing this i think if people start focusing on that stuff you know they they might start fixing some things throughout their whole game their whole game as they go if you start understanding what the club is doing and how it lays open how it comes in how it de-lofts what happens if you do de-loft it you know what happens if you introduce the leading edge that brings a whole another set of problems so you know there's quite a bit that you can start learning and it's okay to experiment with it. I think I think that's that's the one thing too. Is there are some guidelines, like you said, Mizuno shaft optimizer. You can get to a starting point, yeah. but that's not where you. You know, how often do you end there? Yeah, not that often, right? So I think that's a, that's an interesting part of it too. It's you know, I see that a lot. Oh, I read that this is what this does. Well, yeah, I get that that's the, the manufacturer line about what this club is supposed to do and what we're doing with this technology, what we're doing with this, but what can you really do with it and how is it really going to help you? So I think there's a little bit of play in there, as you said. And I didn't think about it until right now, but I was watching something that you had put together. This was a couple months ago, but this comes back to you know the goal of trying to get people to enjoy the game and go out and play, um, and learning the face and hitting these different shots: open, shut, make it go right, make it go left. Um, 
you know, you were you were talking about the process by which we learn. Um, and I can't remember the terminology, but it's like uh, I equated it to when we learn how to walk, we start by you're crawling, roll over, sit up, stand, mm -hmm. take some steps. You're falling down all the time, and then, and then you start running. Um, a lot of times when our students show up to us, we don't know what they where they are in that process but everybody right. wants to run everybody wants to run and, and it's like you know if, if that person it's like how long have you been playing golf well i've been playing golf for you know, five years ten years and they may have learned with an iron out on the range making full swings and they never sat over on the chipping green and hit it low hit it high or you know they, they might not even understand that so they're going back to just learning the skill of controlling yeah. the pace but um, yeah, I wish I remembered, I mean, you, uh, there were four processes of learning. Yeah. It's, were, you know, you're, you're consciously, well, let's say this, you're unconsciously incompetent. You don't know what you don't know. Then you're consciously incompetent. Okay. You know that you don't know it. Then you become consciously competent. You know, you know that you know what you're doing and you're able to do it. And then you know, the ultimate goal is, yeah, unconsciously confident. So you can just, you know, go out and play. And, and that's the ultimate goal. Um, I don't ever claim to be a great player. I, I, I defer to other people on that that have played. And, you know, that was Malaska, right? He played in two U.S. Opens, and he's a great player. Um, I've got a buddy here in Chicago that played in the Tiger U.S. Open. So at Torrey. And – you just talk to those people about those experiences and how much you have to manage besides hitting the golf ball. Yeah. And, you know, if, if we're going to play and and that's where, you know, uh, and his name's Garrett and he's a great instructor. He's talking about it with his biggest mistake. He tried to prep for the U S open at Torrey and he tried to prep and be as mechanically sound and all that. And he said he, the biggest mistake he made was he never prepped for how big of an event the U.S. Open is. And he got on the first hole. He smashed his driver down right down the middle on number one. He was so jacked up. He's got, he snipe hooked it into the bleachers on the grandstands on, on the first hole on his second. And uh, so he's taking a drop after hitting somebody on his first hole in a major. And, uh, but, you know, it's like, yeah, you, know, you don't. You only have so much power and brain power. You can only think about so much. So, I think people, your goal needs to be get there, get to that point where, all right, can I do this? And you know, we'll wrap this up. But I think your goal with technology is what I love about technology is it gives you an endpoint. It gives you an endpoint. If I say, all right, as an instructor, I got five, uh, five golf balls, and I want to see you hit the ball within, uh, let's say we're hitting a 150-yard shot. And I say, okay, I want to see you hit it within 15 yards, uh, every ball within 15 yards of the target line, and 15 yards, with, uh, let's say, within five yards distance-wise. I can actually do that. And I can know that I can do that. And 
now we can go start playing and, and we can start going and working on managing everything else that's required to play good golf. And so that's where I've enjoyed the tech side of this. And I think it's helped me, but that's me. Even, even from there, you know, again, this is technology, but not like track man. The shot link data, the, the numbers mm-hmm. that they pull out of that, the uh, the, the tendencies, the, the the decade golf, the yeah, um, understanding how to play the game and play to your strengths. So, at a certain point, we get the person what are their goals and where do they want to go, and 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 making sure those goals are realistic. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm looking to do more. I've I've just been so. I don't want this to sound like an excuse, but I, it's difficult for me to get out on the golf course with my students as much as I would like to when mm-hmm. I might have eight lessons back to back to back to back to back. And it's like, you know, that driving out there, I don't, but, you know, to spend more time maybe coaching on the course and, and helping people uh, take what they do well, maybe what they don't do well, get them to avoid that and then get them thinking better on the golf course. So you're, you're, you're working the mental game and the physical game together. And then right. and you could do that guys. on the range too, though. You can yeah. do that on the range. It's, you know, Hey, we're hitting these shots. We can figure out your tendency right here. And, you know, again, it's quantifiable. Here it is. I, I tend to hit a pole or you tend to hit a pole. And so when you're out there, I want you to go out and try to do this yeah. and report back to me. Maybe it's just a little slower than what you want because you're not out there seeing it in real time and you got to re- wait for the feedback. But I think, again, there's so many ways that they could do it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much. We're here. Always a good time. We said we were going to try to keep it under an hour. We failed miserably because that's how it always goes, but uh, always, always appreciate your time and talking with you and congrats on all your success. I've seen you work hard from those days at Super. Nobody's worked harder than you. And if you saw this guy out there, it was nuts. Made me tired just watching it. But uh, I'm glad it's working out. And uh, I can't wait to see how it keeps going for you. So thanks for taking some time here to talk with me and talk with us and about all this. Well, thanks for listening. Stay safe. We'll try. I could help. Yeah, we will try. You as well. And uh, we will talk soon. All right. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Scott. Take care. All right. So that's Mark Atchison. That's our chat. Hopefully you enjoyed that. We'd love to hear your thoughts about any nuggets you picked up down below in the comments or in the show notes. Please make sure if you enjoyed this, we're going to have more instructors coming on. Not as long-winded as that. Me and Mark are both long-winded individuals, so you combine us both. I know we can keep on going, but uh, he is an awesome instructor. I came away, I know for me, already knowing I'm going to teach better. And hopefully you'll, you'll have a better understanding as a golfer, somebody of where we're all coming from, what we're working on as teachers, so you can understand what's going to help you get better as well and what you should be looking for in teachers. I think that's always interesting and something that I find exciting as well. So, again, thanks everybody for tuning in to the be epic podcast hopefully we will see you in the next episode make sure you click that subscribe button and we look forward to bringing you more from the golf world not only just instructors but players other things that we can have going on as the season gets ramped up exciting year going for the Ryder cup and all that so really excited to see how this all shakes out and having you a part of it thanks everybody for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode